0: Hi everyone, good morning. My name is Robin Marin and welcome to the Teacher's Lounge. Today we're going to be talking about how to set up healthy boundaries with students while also keeping in mind their needs emotionally and socially. This could be a topic that's particularly difficult for some teachers. I mean, the whole reason a lot of us got into education in the first place is because we care about the humanness of our students. But, you know, for a number of reasons, it's also insanely important for teachers to be aware of and establish boundaries to protect ourselves from some of the extra emotional baggage that can come from caring too deeply about a child, and also for the safety of the student and for their emotional well-being. There's only so much you're legally able to do for a student, and a lot of that is for a very good reason. In today's episode, I'm going to be referencing a few different articles. Everything referenced today will be listed in the description as usual, so make sure to check those out if you wish to read more. So let's go ahead and take a look at our agenda. Essentially, today's episode is going to be broken down into four parts. The first is going to be about the why of setting boundaries with students. The second discusses what the actual boundaries should look like. The third part is what to do with students when they violate the boundaries that you've laid down. And then the fourth and final part is about dealing with the emotional part of your relationship with your students. Now, all of this is to say that I, of course, I'm not looking to judge anyone and the decisions that they make when it comes to how you choose to interact with your students. But a lot of this does come from just decades of uh, just issues in the system, the way schools are set up, Legally, politically, socially, uh, there's just a lot of issues that we're all aware of as we uh, transitioned into education. We learned a lot about some of the social backgrounds of the students and the different types of populations that we would most likely be dealing with as educators. And a number of kids really struggle socially and emotionally. And these are the kinds of students that we obviously, obviously need to keep an eye on. They're coming from homes that are emotionally or physically abusive. And we all of course know that kids who are abused at home are more likely to be abusive towards others as well. So we know this, we have to be aware of this obviously when we're trying to establish what's a healthy level of boundary so that we can reach these students that need help and need that guidance from us while at the same time maintaining our own ability to basically stay mentally and emotionally healthy as well. A lot of these young adults, a lot of these students have really been through several different obstacles, right? Maybe some of them have gone through foster care or have been adopted or or are working through family issues. Maybe there is missing mom and dad and so they're staying with grandpa and grandma or they're taking care of a younger sibling. There's a lot of different things that occur outside of school that have nothing to do with education, has nothing to do with the school environment, but do greatly impact the baggage that students come into the classroom with. And so all of these things that make us human, all of these things that exist in our lives are going to be things that ultimately do affect your relationships with students. If they open up and decide to share some of these things with you, that obviously is going to maybe trigger some empathy, some sympathy, this need to want to help. And so, this is especially where establishing these boundaries really are incredibly important. And of course, you know, uh, because they've been through a lot. There are students that are really looking for love and attention, and even if they don't necessarily fit this particular profile, some students just really need that attention and they're just really craving it. And there's a lot that can make you think twice about how far you should really allow yourself to really be that person for your student and like go as far as to say giving them your cell phone number for example so let's go into the first point first first point first (laughs) by establishing what healthy boundaries even are so what are healthy boundaries defining healthy boundaries is really important personal boundaries are the limits and rules we set for ourselves within relationships A person with healthy boundaries can say no to others when they want to, but are also comfortable opening themselves up to intimacy and close relationships. This shows that at their core, they respect and value themselves enough to be able to honor their own needs and wants. More than this, a person with strong boundaries will set limits that are appropriate to the type of relationship that they have with another person. They will have learned to respect others as people in their own right and will know that each person and therefore relationship requires a different level of closeness. The important thing to remember is that while it is important that we can set boundaries and can protect ourselves from the bad, we need to be able to open up to the good as well. A person with healthy boundaries can trust themselves enough to let others into their life without worrying about being too overwhelmed. They can allow themselves to connect to others and let their guard down in the knowledge that they have the ability to put the boundaries back in place when they need to. As a teacher and as an adult, modeling social emotionally appropriate behaviors is the best way to demonstrate to students that there are ways to navigate having your own personal space while also being able to deeply empathize with another person. Empathy and being a friend to someone doesn't always mean being available at all times or even being completely open about your own past and experiences. Honesty is important. I mean, just don't, don't lie to students, right? But at the same time, you don't need to share with students the same level of personal detail that you would to a friend. Because at the end of the day, the students really aren't your friends. They're, they're really not supposed to be. You're their guide through this crazy world, but they can't ever really be a reciprocal friend to an adult while they themselves are still a child. Besides the potential inappropriate elements that can come from being too open and honest with students, and that in and of itself is a a very different topic that we'll potentially cover one day, there is also the fact that it's perfectly okay to also not want students to be completely aware of your outside of school life as well. I personally tend to lean in that direction when it comes to student-teacher relationships. I want to be available for students, but at the same time, I personally don't even really feel comfortable with a student texting me at all hours of the night. Um, I do have email on my phone, so if students need to reach me, they know that they can contact me through my email. There are always exceptions, though. The fact that many students, for example, are part of the LGBTQ community community, uh, and they struggle often, sadly very often, with bullying and, and not so welcoming relationships with family members and, and friends as a result of um, trying to embrace their identity and um, their sexual orientation. While having a student, or, or rather having a teacher that you could reach out to who understands you and can relate to this problem, it can be really beneficial to that student, uh, especially to their, their well being mentally. Um, lack of representation in classrooms, especially at the elementary level, can lead LGBTQ plus students to feel isolated and alone. Having an openly gay teacher, especially in elementary school, really could help a child who's beginning to question their own sexuality feel more at home in their own school. And as more and more states seem to be moving against acknowledging just even the basic humanness of, of these students, you know, think of Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill, for example, uh, the rates of bullying, harassment, even depression, and suicide can only be expected to rise. And all of these can absolutely contribute to your decision to go ahead and, and be that, that shoulder for a student. But I, I advise you simply because you are a member of the community does not really mean you have to become a representative for that community. I myself identify as bisexual. And while this is a big part of my identity outside of school, I personally have never really shared this tidbit of information with my students. Not outing myself, really, it didn't diminish my role as an active ally for my students. I simply just didn't really wanna become a face for bisexuality when I personally didn't even feel comfortable acting in that role. I'm also Puerto Rican. And while this is also another big part of my identity, I don't really claim to be a representative for the larger culture of what it is to be Puerto Rican. Simply being a member of a group does not automatically make you the symbol for that entire group. These boundaries that I set up for myself, they were such a big part of protecting me from some of the emotional baggage that can come from taking on too many emotionally charged situations with students. So now let's move on to the next part, what some of these boundaries look like. I already gave a little bit of an example, like preferring to use my email as a way to contact me. Um, But I did also let students know that the email is linked to my phone. And so this kept communication open, but you know, also professional. Much of the interpersonal work I did with students was in person. And I would usually try to parcel out time away from students and their needs in order to attend to my own or the needs of my own family. Uh, we can only spread ourselves so thin. And once you've spread yourself thin enough, you're not really going to have anything left to give to anyone, let alone yourself. So again, self-care here is the key. And letting students know that you're accessible when you are accessible and not when you're not is not mean or even cold-hearted, but rather allowing you the chance to recharge your own battery to be able to give as much as you can when you're ready to. There's also a wide variety of potential choices for boundaries that you can put in place. If you have extracurricular commitments, let your students know if they can expect you to be available to them during those times, or if you'll be unable to give them the same attention you give during the day. You may have a preferred method of communication that you'd like them to use, and it's okay if they don't like that method, but you'd still like them to use it if they will be continually asking you questions or needing help with something. So like again going back to the email situation if it's a kid that you know just needs a lot of feedback they just thrive from feedback you know they're going to be sending you work every 20 minutes with a a question about the new sentence that they wrote um you don't want that in a text right you you want that in an email where you don't feel like you have to respond immediately you can give it that professional time and also letting students know like just because you're working on something right now on your time doesn't mean that they can now demand that you drop everything on your time to help them all about communication you can also let them know if you do have a preferred time of day that you're available in this example that i just gave this is assuming that you are okay with students just emailing you back and forth after hours uh, which many teachers are, but there are also some teachers that are very much like, nope, it's within the uh, school hours. Maybe the latest is five o'clock, six o'clock. After that, it can wait till the next school day. Uh, this is also a great practice. It really just depends on you, your schedule, your preferences, uh, your subject matter. If it's a it's a subject that is a little bit more high intensity and students maybe need that feedback a bit more, then perhaps you're, you're a bit more willing to, to not, as set, not set as strict as a boundary, but at the same time, by allowing them to understand when you are and when you are not, is a very basic and important one to a boundary to establish with students. Uh, another would be if you have a preferred location, letting students know that if you cannot make that work, you're happy to find an alternate space or time. In the end, you are in control of your time, and you're the one that needs to be able to get everything done. If you are stretched too thin, again, it defeats the purpose of having students become independent learners. You end up doing most of the work for them, and that's not really the point, is it? I don't say any of this to make any of you feel guilty or feel like you have to live in your office or feel like... You have to give up your own life to students, but rather, of course, the opposite. I say this because students do need support, and they need to know that they can come to you with a question and receive a response in a reasonable amount of time. But again, if this isn't possible, they do need to know that. They need to know that they can expect uh, an answer within a reasonable time frame from whatever it is that you establish with them or they need to be able to, to understand that maybe they're not gonna get a response in a time that's suitable for them, but rather that is suitable for you in this scenario. At the end of the day, the boundaries really are about communication. Moving right along to the third part of our discussion today, what do we do if students decide to violate your boundaries? Boundaries, whether they are physical, emotional, or intellectual, They're here for a reason. They're here to protect you, keep you safe, and keep you whole. A person who decides to cross one of your boundaries is doing so because they want something from you, whether it's your attention, your time, your money, maybe a piece of you. And this is just talking about boundaries in general, right? Because a lot of what we're talking about right now isn't just limited to the classroom. This is pretty applicable as well to other facets of your life um, when it comes to relationships with romantic partners or coworkers, or even um, administrators or higher-ups, there are certain levels of boundary setting that is important. And so letting people know when they've overstepped a boundary can be a difficult thing for people to address. So what do you do when you, you find that someone has crossed your boundary? Keeping it back to students, since that is the main topic, it's really important for students to understand that boundaries exist for a reason. Being stern and letting students know that you will not tolerate breaches of this kind, it's it's really vital for students' social development, both as the person being made to adhere to the boundary, but also as the person being shown what establishing a strong boundary even looks like. If a student emails you for help and it's not an emergency outside of the hours you established for answering emails, wait to respond until it's within that time frame that you are accepting emails. If a student walks into your office before you're ready to see them, tell them sternly and plainly that you will be happy to assist them when you're available. If a student asks you for some one-on-one time, say you're happy to set it up for a time within the frame that you've set for offering this time. If a student asks you to deviate from your boundaries, you must get them to understand why you need them to, to adhere to these boundaries and that you're not setting them up to just hurt them. If you have a student express anger at you for choosing to maintain strong boundaries, this student is most likely experiencing a combination of, of a, fa- a number of factors, right? Frustration, confusion, anxiety, possibly even fear. Uh, and this is normal and natural. and They need to be able to express these things to you. If they're able to express their feelings to you, you can help them understand that you're trying to do the best you can for them, and then you have no ill will within your heart. Back when I was a young educator, I I really wasn't very good when boundaries were being crossed. I, I felt like I was doing a bad job. I felt like I was being a bad person. I always felt like I was the one in the wrong. And, of course, this isn't the case, but it was really important to me that I was available as much as possible for students and to want to be that person that students would go to if they were going through such a, a hard time. Um, it then became that students start to expect that i give them time or that they were allowed any sort of special privilege suddenly because we were, quote, unquote, cool. Uh, so, like, favoritism became a thing as a result, and that's always a problem. Uh, it's not something you want to get into, even by accident. Uh, as I got older and more experienced, I began to understand the weight that it was adding to me, just having these really loose boundaries, not really sticking to uh, these rules that I, I tried to set up for myself. And so it again, as time went on, it, it became a little bit easier um, with the realization of just how much it was really stressing me out, honestly. Um, and it's just been a lot easier To be able to maintain my my own sanity without burning out right with these these boundaries in place in the end it's important to remember that these boundaries are for you they're a way to keep you healthy and allow you to function to your maximum capacity while fulfilling your job as a teacher they are in no way a reflection on the student and now finally we've reached the fourth and final part of our discussion today Dealing with the emotional part of your relationship with your students. I'm a huge advocate for therapy, and as an educator, we really need a place to be able to let off some steam. Um, I've gone through several different therapists throughout my life, and I've found that regardless of where I am or what's currently going on in my life, I can confidently say that therapy has helped relieve so much of the weight that I was holding on to. Uh, I've not only seen that therapy has helped with my personal life, but I've also seen it improve my classroom and it's helped me create a more positive relationship with my students. Uh, Many times when in the classroom, we can feel like we're not doing enough or that we're not caring for our students the way that we should. And if we're not careful, those thoughts can really bring us down and can really impact our overall self-worth and the way we look at our students and the way they look at us. I think that getting therapy can help us to overcome a lot of these feelings and to help us refocus on what's really important that we're here to do our jobs and to give our students the best opportunities possible. As I said before, it's natural to feel stressed and overwhelmed from time to time, but make sure that you don't let the negative emotions get the best of you. There's also the fact that there are other professionals at the school that are equipped to help you with some of the more emotional baggage students may be dealing with. There are also times when a student brings up an event or some feelings or thoughts Uh, that as educators, we have to be prepared to deal with. Um, When this happens, it is important to remember that we are mandated reporters as well. There is a chance that students will share some experiences or thoughts that really should be brought up to someone above you. If a student is talking to you about suicide, for example, it is extremely important in these moments to go immediately to a counselor and let them know what's going on with the student and what was said. It's also important to let the student know, if possible, before they share something very personal, that depending on what's shared, you cannot guarantee confidentiality. You're not a therapist. You're not a priest. You're not a doctor. You're not someone that has, you know, like a lawyer, attorney, client privilege. Like, it's not anything like that, unfortunately, as a teacher. So if a student comes to you about something like abuse or thoughts of harming themselves or others you must not keep it to yourself Uh, legally you can't you have to report it Uh, listening to what the student has to say is important and it shows the student that you're there to help to help but on the flip side they also need to be aware of the fact that you are bound by your own responsibilities as a teacher okay sorry to leave it off on uh, that kind of a downer note out of talking about all these boundaries but Let's rehash quickly what we went over today. So first, we did talk about why setting boundaries with students is important for both you and for them. We also gave some examples of what actual boundaries should look like, healthy boundaries. Uh, Three, we went over how to respond to students when they violate those boundaries that you've laid down. And finally, we went into dealing with the emotional part of your relationship with students. That's it from me. If you have any questions, stories, criticisms, of course, anything at all, anything, please email me at robinmarin at gmail.com. Again, that is R-O-B-Y-N-M-E-R-R-I-N at gmail.com. Take care, push in your chairs, and have a great rest of your day.